How uh, how long have you been in real estate? Like 10 years. Okay. I did my first deal in 2012. You're how old now? 35. Okay. So in 2010, 2011, what were you doing? What was life like? I was slinging trees, dude. Like slinging trees. Slinging trees. Have bro. we had a tree salesman on here yet? Nothing about trees. I was going to say, nothing yet. Yeah. No, dude. So I, I'll give you a little backstory. So I grew up, my dad um, and mom owned a nursery or garden center in California. Here in Utah? Okay, California. Small town in California. Kind of like living in Tooele or Grantsville. Okay. But, like, the next closest town, like, if Kmart didn't have it, we had to drive 45 minutes to, like, Bakersfield. It was a trek for something. Yeah, dude. So, small town. But, um, so I grew up in the retail environment, and then um, when I was, like, 19, I Did you help quite a bit with the nursery? Oh, yeah, dude. Like, if I wanted to get a bike, I had to be pulling weeds, unloading trucks, like, watering trees. So, like, that's where my work ethic comes from is doing manual labor. Um, You don't want to go back to that. No, dude. Absolutely That's I, I mean, that was my first job. Like, within, uh, all within real estate, right? But, like, it was moving furniture from model home to model home. Oh, dude, and I'm like, I, and then I got promoted because I did really good at that, and I had to dig the sign holes, right? Like, I was the sign installer, like, <laughs> in the middle of winter. Yeah, well, that was, it was better than moving furniture, right? Because yeah, uh, I got to ride in the vehicle, and, and in this van, I remember, we had a Queen's Greatest Hits, and that was the only thing that would work. So, I had 18 songs from Queen memorized because that was oh, all dude. I could listen to, but I... That's like part of what drives me today. So I'm not going back to that. I've been there. Like I'm not, I, I know what the other side of this is. I'm not going back. Yeah, dude. Like my dad's probably have nine or 10 surgeries. He's got rods in his back. His knees are shot. He's just like physically beat up and do manual labors. Just, it's a hard deal. So when I started learning about sales, so anyway, so I, I grew up there and then fast forward, I was night. I went to junior college for like a semester. I was like, this ain't my jam. Tried it. Yeah. Yeah. So I got an inside sales job in Oregon at a company called Monrovia, which would be like the Microsoft of the nursery world. Yeah. Wholesale. So I had, I was so it's still familiar. Like it was still yeah. something that like you knew what you were doing. Kind of. So I was basically an inside sales rep, just supporting guys who had territories. So I had like eight different territories across the country in Canada. And then, um, that sounds better. It does. So I was doing that, and uh, that's when I really learned how to do sales, especially on the phone. I got good at it, and then um, I, I quit there, and I went out on my own. as just like a 1099 broker, and this guy gave me exclusive rights to sell all his shit in, like, western Canada and then eight states in the western U.S. So I moved to Utah and just road-dogged it, man. Cold. I didn't start with one customer. How'd it, you end up in Utah? Uh, it was in the middle of my territory. Okay. And my parents both grew up out here. I broke up with a girlfriend, and it was just kind of made sense. So moved out here. So you came here just for logistics more than anything because yeah. it was easier to hit the rest of your target market. Yeah, Utah from was here. in the middle. And then my dad did business out here, so I was going to, like, take over his clientele as I built out my own. So that was, like, the three-year plan. But um, I made that move, like, right end of 2008 when shit just went down. Great timing. Yeah, so I was out cold calling, dude. I'd roll into Billings, Montana. I'd Google all the nurseries, and I'd just, like – put them on the map um, and then I'd go hit one by one and I'd just show up with a photo album and a catalog and ask for five minutes as owner around as a manager around I looked like I was 16 still (laughs) and just cold called dude thousands of nurseries and I did that for like four years Um, wrote like enough days on the road to be like six months I'd be sleeping in my car because I had to pay my own way for everything yeah just straight commission and that's when I learned to do sales but I was selling trees and shrubs and stuff and then uh went to like one of the free gurus was in town on house flipping one weekend I was home with my brother and then uh what was it about that that guru or whatever like what what stood out to you about that that made you go like okay wait 
<clears throat> so there's my, something there. So my dad sold the nursery and when I was like a sophomore in high school, and he took the money from the sale of the nursery, and he bought a bunch of lots. And then he partnered with a guy that I had known since I was a little kid who was a general contractor and a landscape contractor. So I'd seen him at the nursery my whole life. So he would build the houses, and my dad provided the lot and funded it. And then they, they whatever their agreement was. So I saw my dad, like, kick ass, making money, building these houses. And they sold their last one, right, as 2008 was happening. So that's when real estate got on my radar. But when you're 18, it's not, you know, 16, 17, 18. And, like, doing real estate doesn't really seem real, right? Like, how am I going to do that? So, yeah, because it feels like it's a rich man's game, right? You had yeah. to, your dad had to sell a nursery in order to have the money to jump into it. Yeah, dude. Or even if I was, I remember I bought when I was living in Oregon before I, I was working at a restaurant and shit before I started inside sales thing. I bought this like the everything you need to be a realtor yeah. book at Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Whatever. And I read that and I was like, ah, I just did I, it cover everything. I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> I just remember thinking like. I'm young. I don't own a home. Like it just, it didn't seem real that I could do that even in the capacity as an agent, but real estate was on my mind and on my radar then seeing the opportunity and shit. So then, you know, a little later down in life, I was probably 24. My brother's like, Hey, do you want to go? Are you going to be in town this weekend? And it was, uh, Dean Graziosi is who was coming in, which is more wholesaling and stuff. But so anyways, we went to the free meeting on Thursday at the red lion or whatever it is, the Hilton garden Inn, you know, where they do them. And then we signed up for, like the $1,500 course that was that weekend. We did that and then took a year and 94 offers. We got our first flip, made like 24 Gs. And I thought like, dude, I'm rich. I've arrived. Like, fuck, really? Yeah, I didn't have to sleep in my car. I didn't have to do anything on this. Yeah, dude. So then I walked away from that broker business I was doing. I got What year was this? Sorry. 2012. Okay. So real estate's coming back at this point. Like it's, it's trending in the right direction for you. Yeah. So then we did that, and then I walked away from the nursery stuff. I built that up to about half a million in sales, and then we did our second flip, lost 50 Gs, did our third flip, lost 10 Gs, broke even on our fourth, made like 10 grand on our fifth, and just kind of kept rolling with it. Fast forward to where we're at today. And you still work with your brother? Yeah, so he's, uh, we have the mortgage company, so he's the principal, like, he's like the broker version of, you know, how you have a broker in real estate world, he's like basically that, yeah. for, but for the mortgage company. Okay. So I got Lifestyle Realty, which is a, the real estate brokerage, Lifestyle Lending, which is a mortgage company, and then we do about 40 flips a year. I got 58 units. We lend some hard money and uh, starting to take money and buy equity pieces and businesses. So what do you guys do? Like, uh, do you guys have clients? Are you guys like actively working with, with investors, or how do you guys have that set up? So on the finance side, um, I've got agents that we do the financing for their clients, and then... Uh, we do a lot of like investing loans, like debt service ratio loans or like helping people refi out of hard money or buying rental properties just because I'm so tied in with the investment community. So our our mortgage business is probably split 50% retail, people just buying, you know, refinancing, yeah. buying, and then 50 Traditional purchases, yeah. traditional refis. Yeah, and then the other half is probably the investment geared stuff. So what are you, and this is going to be a little bit different take, I think, for this episode, which I'm, I, I'm really excited about, because you are, you are actively involved in the market more than a lot of agents that we've had on the show so far. And tell us a little bit more about what you're looking for, what you're seeing, where you think the market's going. Like, give us a little bit more direction for anybody that's looking at like buying or selling a house right now. What you guys are also kind of seeing, because like I said, you're, you're actively involved. You guys did how many flips last year? Right around 40. Okay. So you guys are, I mean, you guys are flipping three houses a month I and mean, you guys are buying almost a house a week at this point. Um, 
what do you guys not I, I'm not asking for you to give your secret sauce I'm not asking yeah, for yeah. you to like create competition for yourself but what wh- there's a lot of questions right now and what the market's doing well I think the first like the market shifting now I thought it was going to be the end of this year early next year I didn't think they'd have the balls to do it before midterm. I didn't elections. think they would. Yeah, I didn't think they would crank like, on the interest rates like no they did. There's no way they're going to do that. Yeah. We've got Democrats in office and they're, you know, we're coming. Trying from. to get reelected. Yeah, dude. So I, I've been, so first and foremost, like all my deals that I'm in, I'll be safe and secure in them because even with, with a contraction or whatever, because I'm underwriting deals on legitimate what's the comps in the market today. So I'm never, ever buying on speculation. So we've got like 18 properties right now, flips in different stages. And some of them are a little nervous and we're having to do price reductions. But because I bought them not banking on any appreciation, like there's that sense of security that I'm going to be all right. Maybe we break even. Maybe I have to keep some of them as rentals. But I'm not going to have a situation where it's like we're taking total losses or it's going to be something damaging to the business because of that. Versus a lot of people, especially the last few years they've been buying, like maybe I'm gonna buy this deal and based on today's numbers, I'm gonna break even or lose a little bit, but I'm banking on that 10% appreciation in six months and that's been happening. So I think we're gonna see a lot of that in the market, investors losing money because they're buying on appreciation. So- Well, there's more, and and this is like my biggest pet peeve with with a lot of what agents pitches have been for the last two years was the market's going up, the market's going yeah. up, the market's going up. That's one of three ways to make money in real estate. Yeah. There's so much more to it. Like you just said, if the appreciation isn't there, I'll keep it as a rental. Okay. What does that do? That means you're going to have somebody paying off your principal. It means you're going to have somebody paying your debt reduction. And that means that you're also going to get a fat tax reduction at the end of the year too. Right? Yeah. And if you have to leave money in that deal, you've got your money secured against the hard asset versus if you got money in the markets or whatever, and you take that's insured, that's insured. Like I, somebody pointed that out the other day. It's like, son of a bitch. I never thought. Yeah, dude, it's safer than anything. Like my investors that like invest me money. Dude, I got guys that'll wire $800, 800 grand on a fucking text message. We've got the relationship and the history, but they know their money is in and secured against a hard asset that I'm buying at a discount and they're with an operator that knows what he's doing. So they're safe and they're going to, you know, so I have people wanting, calling me, wanting to park more money right now as the market shifting versus most people being like, oh, real estate's getting scary. Like my guys are like, hey, dude, you have deals. What are you thinking? Like they want to park money in capital because it's safe. So you're still actively buying. Yeah, we've, I've slowed my roll the last three weeks because we've just, we've got a lot of inventory right now. And um, like last week alone, I did a hundred grand in price reductions just on my personal stuff that's listed. Uh, so I'm still buying, but about two months ago, I made the adjustment that I was only buying stuff that was in the median price point for the area that the house right. is in. Um, so, you know, it's different price points, but I want to be in the median price point. I've only broken that rule one. I've got a house that'll be like an 850 to 900K ARV in Canyon Rim. But outside of that, everything's like medium price point. So that's the largest buyer pool. Um, if I need to flip them into rentals or Airbnbs, I can do that. Your price reductions are smaller. They're 10 grand, 20 grand, not like 50 grand. So I've just been trying to be more conservative that way. Can and you th- give us a very surface level? Because I've been shocked, right? We've been looking at analytics. We've been watching numbers and tracking who's watching our show. Uh, almost 50% of our watch time right now is for people that are between the ages of 18 to 24. That's awesome. So if you could give like a... Jonah, what questions do you have about what he just said? Do you know what ARV is? Nope. Will cool. you explain to Jonah, because Jonah's our target market, yeah. like a very surface level, like I said, I don't want you to give away your secret sauce. I'm not no, sitting here dude, saying I, like... I'll give all the sauce. Dude, me too. I, I have no problem. Like if people want to know like, hey, what are you doing? Here's exactly what I'm doing. Try to copy me. 
hold up, dude. So here's to the 18 to 24 year old listener. I could tell you everything to do step by step by step. And maybe 10% will actually go do it. Yeah. So I have no problem sharing that. That's, you know, that's the my opinion too. Because people aren't going to fucking do yeah. the work. They want the silver bullet, but then you realize there isn't a silver the bullet. The silver bullet is you working. Yeah. Well, yeah. One, one thing too, like about this podcast in general is it, it's not like you can pull a lot more than just real estate stuff from it. Because like what you just said, I mean, all of the editors out there, we all do things our own ways. And I could tell Connor hey, this is how I do it, and Connor's not going to be able to replicate what I do. Yeah. Same thing. Connor can tell me how to do something, and I can't replicate what Connor does. So, so explain to Jonah, like he's a 20-year-old kid that's never sold a house before, and you just moved out of your parents' house how long ago? Uh, almost a year. Congratulations. Thank you. Explain to him, surface level, what, what you're looking for, what the flip, like what your goal is. Obviously, we know what your goal is, but... Uh, Kind of walk through that process, like take five minutes and kind of run through that on, on a specifically on a flip. Yeah, just okay, like what? Because cool. there's, I think that there's a lot of part of what we've tried to dissect on this show is there's a lot of uh, hype at times in real estate, 100%. right? You have Selling Sunset, you have Ryan Serhant, you have all these different people that have almost become like public figures because they're real estate agents. And then I get annoyed because when I go and look at their numbers, I sell more than most of them. Right. But they, they, there's this over dramatization, I think of what it looks like. And I think one of those, one of those lanes that gets over dramatized and over hyped is flips. And it's not all it's cracked up to be at times. I think flips is probably the most hyped up and dramatized. Yes. Hollywood. Do you, how many flipping shows? Well, are there? It's so I mean, easy, right? Yeah. It's so easy. All you do yeah. is you walk up, you see an ugly ass property, you write them a low ball offer, you paint the cabinets white and you sell it for a hundred grand more. Right. Yeah. Or in the TV shows, you somehow blow your budget by 80 grand and all this stuff. And, and it all comes a, together in the end. Yeah, yeah. It all comes together in the end. I'm like, shit, I want my deals <laughs> to go like that. Um, so with flips, I mean, a couple things really quick the, for anybody that does it, the idea of a flip is that you buy a distressed property mm-hmm. for low because somebody knows you're gonna have to put money into it uh, think storage wars right you buy something low and you're selling it high by doing work to to get it to a better place but there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff that you have to know in order to make that decision correctly like michael said earlier he underwrites all of his deals you know what that means underwrite now okay that's what I'm saying. Like that, th- we're gonna dumb this down just a little bit because okay. I think that this would be really, really cool to kind of go through. Cool. Walk through what it looks like. T- what does it mean to underwrite a flip? Okay, we're gonna school on all of it. Um, so underwriting. And is if just you like- have a question, I want. Sorry, I'm not trying to cut you off. If you have a question, if he says something that you don't understand, ask for a little clarification. Okay. Okay. Cool. Let's do it. So I would say the first, first, there's two rules to real estate investing. Number one is you cannot be emotional. Like put emotions to the side. It's not your house. You're not going to live there. It's not like you're like you have to set emotions to the side. Just because you like something doesn't mean the market's going to. Yeah, that. And then also, if you're emotionally attached to it and a deal's going sideways, you're going to make poor decisions. And ask me how I know. Like that first, those first five deals I was telling you about. Like I was emotionally involved, which you're going to be. You're newer and you're like it's a big deal, so you're going to be. But if I wasn't emotionally involved and I made decisions based on data and numbers. I would have lost way less money and I would have saved myself a tremendous amount of time of just loss and hassle and everything. And there's deals I wouldn't have done because you want to do a deal so bad. It's really easy to make something look like a deal. So number one is don't be emotional. Number two is you have to be honest with yourself on the numbers. You can give me any deal, dude. And on paper, I can make it look like a deal and sell it to anyone like how, oh, there's money to be made here because it's really easy to bullshit your numbers. Like ARV is after repair value. 
So that's what you're going to sell it for. So when you're looking at a deal, it's like, okay, <clears throat> doesn't like you're going to start with your numbers and work them backwards. So everything starts with ARV after repair value, or what is it going to be worth when I'm done? So you start after repair value and then you're, so you're going to set a number goal. Like, like you set. Nope. Cause it's not his, a goal means that like, that's going to be something that you try to get. That's not being honest with what you're actually going to sell it okay. for or be able to rent it for. Gotcha. If you, if you set a goal to sell it for 600,000 and it doesn't matter how much you put into that sucker, it's going to be worth 550 max. You're going to piss people off really quick and you're going to be out of the flipping business even quicker. Okay. Yeah, dude, it's all about the numbers and then working them backwards because numbers don't lie, but it, but we do. People what lie. are you, what are you looking for to get that ARV? So to pull the ARV, you're going to look at the comps. So tip is same thing. Do you know what a comp is? Nope. So a comparable. Okay. So let's say you want to buy, you're looking at a 2000 red Honda Civic with 80,000 miles on it you're going to try and find the value by going to Auto Trader or Kelly Blue Book, or you're just going to start looking for what are other 2,000 Honda Civics with eighty to 100,000 miles selling for, right? Okay. So you're going to start looking at comparable cars, and then you're going to be like, oh, 15,000, 13,000, 16,000. It's probably 14 to 16 grand is what this okay. car is worth. So you're, you're going to look at that? Same thing for a house. Okay. So, you know, you're going to want an agent, or like ideally you want access to comps on the MLS so you can see. So you're going to want to look at like, like for like, right? So is it a Rambler? Then you're only looking at Ramblers. If it's a split entry, you're only looking at split entries. If it's like a tri-level, you're only looking at tri-level. So the style of home, right? So you're going to look at only the style of homes. And then you're going to go within a mile radius of the house that you're buying or looking right. at buying. And then you're going to look at the square footage. So if the house you're looking to flip is a thousand square feet, I'm going to pull and So let's say it's a thousand feet and it's a single level house. So that's a Rambler. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go look at stuff that is between 800 and 1200 square feet. So I'm going to go 10 to 15% above and below on the square footage. And then I'm only going to look at Ramblers, the same style. If it has a garage, I'm going to take that into consideration. And then I'm going to put, I'm going to pull homes that have sold within a mile of that house. Okay. Ideally you want smaller, but you can go up to a mile. So why that, not five miles? Because that's not what an appraiser is going to look at. Right. Because the, like the, the location it, yeah, it affects so the price quite a bit. Essentially right? what we're doing is we're we're going to pull the same type of data and take the same approach that an appraiser is going to or that other realtors are going to because there's kind of a standard practices of the data you're going to use to value a home. So I'm if we're looking at a thousand square foot single level Rambler home, we're not going to go comp it and see look at the just because across the street there's a two story house that's two thousand square feet. We're not, that, that's not relevant. Right. What if your thousand square foot house feels really nice and open? If it and feels, it nice feels and open, like yeah. a thirteen hundred square yeah. foot house. Well, Does that well, change it? Then, then you can set your feelings to the side because right. it's. You see what I'm saying? Data. It doesn't matter if like you drove a Honda. I love that analogy because it yeah. doesn't matter. There's a lot of nostalgia tied up in cars, right? Right. It doesn't matter if you, if you, if the Honda Civic was the same car that you drove in high school and you got to have it, you're gonna overpay. Yeah. You can't do that on this because if you miss, the misses are huge, okay. right? So basically what you're saying is I would be really bad at this. <sighs> no, because you I'm, have to I'm trust the numbers. You okay. have to trust the numbers. So you have to learn, is it like a logical thing? I'm, gotta... I, I'm a firm believer that there's nobody, like there's not one set person that's either good or bad within real estate. Like the amount of different people that I meet, the amount of different people that like, like him and Michael Perry do very similar things. They go about it in a very, very different way though. Okay. Right. Gotcha. There's not like a there's not a person that's going to be good or bad at this what right because there's not a silver bullet to it. 
the numbers though are what make you either good or bad. So my my mentor and friend Mark Evans, you know who Mark is? I don't know him. He's a boss. Uh, he he says data, not drama. Data, not drama. Yeah. So all the bullshit doesn't matter. What's the data say? Just like, let's make decisions based on data, not all the drama. Just the numbers, okay. So the first thing you're going to do to find your ARV, your after repair value, is you're going to pull the comps. So you're going out within a mile, 10 to 15% square footage, up and down, similar size, similar year built, all that shit. And then you're going to pull them up and you're going to see what, you're going to look at what's sold. So that's going to tell you what the sales values are, but then you're going to look at what's under contract and what's active. So right now, if you're looking at properties that have sold, and then you're also looking at the shit that's under contract, and you're looking at the stuff that's active, you're going to notice that the market's declining a little bit. And you're also going to know that the days on market are longer. So that shows you that you have a market that's trending downwards. So you're going to want to take that into consideration. So now, in this situation, the solds, I don't care about the solds. I want to see what the under contracts and the listed prices are, because that's what the market is real today. Okay. If it's the other way, you have properties and they're selling for, you know, 300,000, but then you're seeing the under contracts and the actives are at 340, 350. Well, then that shows you the market's going upward. So you can take that into consideration. So you're going to look at sold properties under contract or pending and then active. And that's going to show you what the market's doing. And then based on all of that and all the data that you have, you're going to be like, okay, based on square footage and all the shit, this is probably what the price range is. It's 380 to 400. So that's your ARV. So we got the ARV dialed in. That's where we start. Now we're going to run our numbers backwards. So um, when you sell a house, you're going to have closing costs when you buy it. You're going to have closing costs when you sell it. You're going to have real estate commissions. You're going to have title policies, insurances, all of that shit. So my formula is, is I take 8% straight off the top. So I go ARV minus 8% or times 0.92. So I'm taking 8% straight off the top and that's going to cover all my closing costs and commissions. And then I'm going to say, okay, the rehab on this, we're usually 35 to $40 a square foot to do a, a cosmetic remodel. So if I got a thousand square foot house, it's probably going to be 40 grand to do the rehab, 35 to 40 grand. So now I've got ARV minus 8%. Now I'm going to take 35 to 40,000. I'm going to go 40,000 because I want to be conservative. So I'm going to take 40,000 out for my repairs. And now I got to look at what's my money costs and my holding costs. Am I getting a hard money loan? Am I paying cash? What's that look like? Most well, of the let's time. Let's talk through that for financing, right? So Jonah, if, uh, if you were to go and move into a house, right? If you were going to go, if I was to sell you a condo or something like that, you've sold a bunch of edge products. If I was to sell you something like that and you're going to go move into it, you can move into it for three and a half to 5% down, right? So on a, on a $400,000 purchase price, I mean, you're talking 12 to 15 grand somewhere okay. in there. On a flip like this, it's a little bit different because the government doesn't have as many programs to help you. You're so from a financing standpoint, yeah, what are you guys doing? We're pay, like we're paying cash for stuff, but we're getting hard money loans. So there's uh, hard money lenders or investors that lend money specifically for deals like this. What's awesome about it is it's cash. You can close quick. Um, they don't care about your taxes, your income, none of that shit. They're lending on the deal. So they're seeing like, oh, he's buying this deal. There's plenty of upside. So they're investing their money on the deal, a hard asset that's being bought at a discount. So that's how they're securing their money. It's quick. It's fast. It's easy. It's convenient. You don't really have to qualify personally. Uh, the downside is the interest is high. So tw- two points and 12% is the going rate in Utah. So you know what point, that means? Nope. So a point is like an origination fee. So one point is equivalent to 1% of the loan amount. What they're charging you for is the privilege of borrowing their money. Yeah. So it's literally what it is. So say you're going to borrow a hundred grand, two points would be $2,000. Okay. 
just to borrow the money. So I, you're going to let me borrow that money and I owe you two grand. Plus. Plus 12% interest. Oh, okay. Annualized. So pretty much 1% per month. Okay? okay. So when I underwrite a deal or I'm analyzing a deal, I always bank on six months, having it for six months. Because you got to take four months, five months to get the flip done, right? If it's a larger it doesn't project, take it doesn't take uh, forty five minutes like it does on TV. Yeah, yeah. If it's a larger project like a big rehab, and I know it's going to take longer, then maybe I'll underwrite it with eight months of hold time. So going back, I'm like, so you know, we're ARV minus eight percent minus our forty grand in rehab. Let's just say we're buying this house for a hundred thousand for easy numbers. Well, for two points, that's two grand plus six months of interest. That's another six thousand. So we're eight thousand dollars in hard money costs. So we're ARV minus 8% minus 40 grand for rehab minus $8,000 for hard money. That gives us our break even number. Okay. So we'll break even at whatever the, that number is. Mm -hmm. And then typically I'm going to want at least 10% of the ARV for profit. So if I'm flipping a home for 400 grand, I want to make 40,000. Okay. So I'm going to run through ARV minus 8% minus rehab minus hard money minus another 10% for profit equals what I can pay for it. Okay. And what if that number's not there? That makes sense. Then you don't do the deal. What if you really like the house? If you really like the house, uh, you just need to come. You got to make, you know, you got to make a decision on if it's worth it or not. Like, but if you really like the house and the numbers tell you that there's really $5,000 there, then you don't do the deal. Okay, so I mentioned, I, I had a question for you guys. Okay. You, you went into that, your explanation and Boo was kind of like, okay, if I was to looking to buy a house and I approached you and was like, you know, help me out, I guess. From what I've, like, gathered listening in on all these podcasts and stuff is all of our guests, I'm like, they're awesome. Like, when I buy a first house, I want to, I'm going to book with that guy. I'm going to book with that. Like, I want to be with that guy. I want that guy help me. So, like, I guess this is kind of a question for both of you. You know, if I'm a 20, almost 21-year-old kid, just say something happens and I just start making the big bucks and I'm like, okay, hey, I want to buy a house. That's not going to happen, but keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, and you never know. Might come across the right Instagram story. You know True. What I mean? uh, why? Like why? Because because the way that you explain that to me, I'm that's kind of something that I'm like, okay, like the way you explained it to me, I understand a lot of the things I would have had no clue before. But like Boo was like, do you know what that means? You explained it, and I know what it means. That's something that you about you that already stands out to me as like, okay, like this is a guy that I would like trust to like help me out and like take care of me when it comes to something like that. So like why for both of you guys, why, why you, why would, why would I want to make that big, huge decision with you guys versus somebody else versus X person that we've had on the podcast so far? You know what I mean? Do you want to go first or should I go first? Yeah, you go ahead. So I think for me, my clients are real estate agents. My clients are not the buyers that you guys bring in, which I think there's a lot of builders agents that get that twisted and get that confused. So my job, if you were to bring a buyer into an edge home as an agent, my job is not to take care of that buyer. My job is to take care of you in that transaction. That's your client is I think it's disrespectful for me to try to act like they are they are mine. So my entire focus and my entire goal, you probably couldn't work directly with me. The majority of people are going to work through an agent with me. So if you're an agent that wants this just a smooth, easy transaction that makes it so that you look like a rock star, I don't care if that buyer says, hey, boo is amazing. As long as you feel like that afterwards, I'm good. Yeah, I like that. Dude, my, my clients are all sorts of different, you know, my client could be a real estate agent that wants to come to our brokerage. It could be a loan officer that wants to come to our mortgage company. 
It could be uh, an, a guy that's got money that wants to invest his money in my deals. It could be, you know, someone like you that wants to buy or sell a house or someone that needs to refinance a home or get a mortgage. What's different about me and, and just when you interact with me, um, I'm extremely transparent and everything's about the relationship. Like I'm here to build a relationship with you, you know, not to be on the podcast or yeah. whatever. So when you're relationship driven and the relationship comes first and then secondly, you're providing value. So my come from is build a relationship, provide value. And then it's extremely clear that I'm fucking good at what I do and all aspects of it. The trust is there and people do business with who they like and trust. So when you're showing up, building a relationship and I tell people that too, I'm like, listen, I, you know, like I'm not here to sell you a home. I'm not here to sell you a mortgage. I would love your business. I don't need your business. I'm here to build a relationship with you because I know if I do a good job and we build a relationship and I provide value for you and I take care of you or I protect your money, whatever it is, then you're going to come back and you're going to be a lifetime client because we have a relationship. You trust me and you're going to tell all your family and friends about me. And it doesn't matter if it's someone who's going to tell their buddy that has a 401k that wants to invest money in my deals. If it's a realtor that's winning in life now because he's at our company, because he's around the culture and all the stuff. So when you are building relationships and you're providing value and you're operating from core values and that's like your guiding principles, like the rest just takes care of itself. And people feel that. Like everything I do, like I'm very, like I'm into the energy and, and all of that stuff. People feel that shit. So when I transfer emotion, I see you smiling and I feel you nodding your head. It's because you feel the energy and you feel the sincereness. And that's why you're going to want to do business with me. So if you were, you've been flipping for how long? 10 years. If you were flipping for five days at this point, let's just say you're brand new. Uh-huh. It's 2022. You have, how much money did you have in your bank account when you started? I, I had a stock portfolio that was about like 24000 Okay, you had, let's say it's 2022. You got $24,000 in cryptocurrency that you're just like, you know what? I'm going to pull this out and I'm going to go flip real estate. Okay. Where do you start? I'd go to the local real estate investor association or RIA, and that's literally what I did. So there's a few of them around town. There's Slurria, Salt Lake Real Estate Investor Association. There's Utah RIA, Utah Real Estate Investor Sounds Association. Sounds like an STD. Yeah. <laughs> well, there could <laughs> be some around there. But uh, no, I would go there. And the reason I would go there, and it doesn't matter if you're flipping real estate, you're selling insurance, you're selling houses, whatever it is, like the idea is you want to put yourself in an environment where what you want to do is happening. So you go put yourself in the environment where whatever it is you're tr trying to do is happening. You put yourself in that environment. Now you're networking and meeting people who are doing what you want to do. You pick up a mentor there. And then not only that, but for the mental side, now there's this stuff that seems so far out there. Flipping my first house, like it seems so like unreal, so far out there. But then you put yourself in an environment where it's happening and it brings it closer and it makes it real. And then you're, you meet this Mike guy and it's like, oh yeah, he's got 18 flips going on right now. There's nothing special about him. He's a regular dude. If he can do it, I can do it. And it just makes it real. So anything you want to do, go put yourself in that environment. But then at the end of the day, you got to take action. You know, you got to study, you got to learn what you're doing. You got to take action. You got to, what would you be studying right now? I'd be studying how to value property and I'd be building relationships with wholesalers, money people, title agents, realtors. So I would be learning like what is property worth? And then I'd also be like finding, I'd be finding, looking for distressed deals, like motivated sellers. So when I started, like I would call for sell by owners, I'd call for rent by owners. If I was driving down the street on a Saturday and I saw a for sell by owner, I literally pulled the car over and I went and knocked on the door. Hey, how are you doing? I'm Michael, I'm interested in buying your house. Me and my brother would go to estate sales and we'd talk to the estates company. Hey, what's the plan with the house? We're investors. We'd love to pay cash for it, help the family offload the asset. 
um, like just hustling, dude, like just straight hustling. Like we were saying earlier, there's no magic no. silver bullet. It's like comes down to like doing the work. So who are you outside of real estate? We talked a little bit about that kind of before we turned everything on, but outside of real estate, and I, I know that real estate's a big part of what you do, and I don't want to take that portion of your life away, but outside of real estate, who are you? Dude, real estate's just a small piece of what I yeah. do. I'm, dude, I'm Michael Burns, bro. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a guy that is, like, I live off my core values, and one of the biggest things for me is relationship building and integrity, but also transparency. So whether you're listening to this podcast right now and you never meet me and you roll up to me on the street – I want you to have the exact same experience. So I'm not one guy when I'm on a podcast and I'm a different dude when I'm with a certain set of homies and I act like someone else when I'm with my investors or whatever it is. Like wherever I go, I show up as me. Any more questions for him, Jonah? No, dude, I'm great. I think that was that was awesome. There was a lot of good stuff in there. Seriously. Anything that we didn't cover that you want to bring up? Uh, no, dude. Okay. Well, this was awesome. Seriously, cool. this was a lot yeah. of fun. We appreciate you guys got, or you coming down. Yeah, this has been, it's a def, it's completely different approach than what we've had yeah. so far. But I think well that, gone. but this is a huge piece of real estate that I think more people have questions on. So you've given a lot of insight. So super grateful for having yeah. you on today. No, dude, I appreciate you. And like I said, man, it's like that. Like I don't talk about the relationships. Like I've built my whole life and business on that. And I'm, you know, I appreciate you reaching out. And it's a opportunity for me too. So for sure. Thank you for that. No, of course. So okay. Appreciate it. Cool, man. Thanks, man.